Hey everyone, welcome to Thomas and the Bible, episode 14. This one is coming to you a little late um, because I had a little family emergency. Um, but I want to give a shout out to Alex from Texas who, um, well, I was getting a little behind, like I said, because of this uh, family thing, and I was getting a little uh, discouraged because I have to make up some serious time, and, um, you know, it's a little more work than I'd care to admit. Um, and, you know, right when I was feeling uh, down about the uh, the whole podcast, I got this very encouraging message uh, from Alex, and uh, at first, split second, I have to admit, my brain said, like, wow, what a coincidence that... You know, right when I, I needed this, uh, it, it, it came in. And, uh, you know, for a split second, I'm like, wow, I wonder what this means. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, because all of us, our brains are designed to look for patterns. And I, I think that is a major reason why, you know, people think there must be some guiding force or whatever, or God or whatever. And I realized, like, wait a minute. I'm making a very anti-God and religious podcast. So... <laughs> It's a perfect example of how coincidence can just happen. If I were a religious person, I would say I'd be saying, "Wow, this is this is a sign that there is a God, and He wants me to get the word out about how terrible He is." Or uh, there is a God, but this means the Bible is wrong, and uh, you know this God wants me to tell people that. But no, I don't say that. I just say, "Oh, what a what a coincidence," and uh, move on. There are nearly 7 billion people in the world doing billions of things all day, every day. So, of course, a one in a billion event happens all the time just as a matter of probability. Things that are one in a 100,000 or so, uh, you know, something lower like that, we can expect to be happening so regularly that they probably would get boring. And that's just how it is. It's just a numbers game. You know, if you hear someone talk about something like that... Um, it's just bound to happen. It just is. And like I said, this is a perfect example. Uh, you know, religious people would have to tell me this is a coincidence. Otherwise, somehow, uh, me doing this podcast is serving God. And that, I really don't see. Um, so, with that, thank you, Alex from Texas. And let's get going with chapter 5 uh, of Exodus. And this is just all as ridiculous as it gets here. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is this Lord, well, who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I, I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews hath met us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey into the desert, and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Uh, and, th and this is a good, you know, you modern Christians that aren't listening, this is a good... <laughs> is this your God? Are you sure this is the same one? Are you sure you didn't get a little God mix-up going on? Because this God, if you don't sacrifice animals to him, he'll, he'll kill you with a sword or with bugs. You know, so is that, are you sure that's the same one? I mean, it could probably, it's totally reasonable that it could have gotten mixed up somewhere along the years. Um, I don't, I've, I don't hear about people talking about this anymore, so I don't, it must not be the same God, pretty sure. 
And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works get you unto your burdens? And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tale of the bricks, which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them, and ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let their more be work, uh, work be laid upon the men, that they may labor therein, and let them not regard vain words. So what's happened is uh, Moses and Aaron have gone to the Pharaoh, pleading with him to let him go, um, you know, sacrifice to their God. And Pharaoh's like, I don't know who this God is. This is a bunch of BS. So he, he says, look, clearly you guys don't have enough work. So he tells all the uh, slave masters uh, who... I, I sort of missed how all the Hebrews became slaves. Um, I don't know. Maybe I did. I don't remember that. But I guess they're all slaves now. So um, how did that happen? How did they let themselves become slaves? They were thriving in the land just a chapter ago or two, you know. How did that, how did that, I don't remember. I don't feel like looking back either, sorry. Um, just another one of those little details. Again, we know for sure that this crap is, this book specifically is completely made up because there's just no evidence of millions of people leaving from Egypt. And you'll see later, there's just some great stuff that would be quite obvious um, archaeologically that is just not there. But anyway... Uh, so the Pharaoh said, uh, you guys don't have enough work if you got all this time to sacrifice to your, to your God. So, uh, here's what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have all the slave masters, um, not give you straw to make brick anymore, but you still need to make the same amount of brick. So pretty much he's just being cruel and, and making him do the same amount of work with impossible circumstances. And the taskmasters of the people went out and their officers and they spoke and they spake to the people, saying, Thus saith Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go ye, get you straw where ye can find it, yet not aught of your work shall be diminished. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters hasted them, saying, Fulfill your works, your daily tasks, as when there was straw. And the officers of the children of Israel, uh, which Pharaoh's taskmaster taskmasters had set over them were beaten and demanded wherefore have ye not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as heretofore and the, then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh saying wherefore dealest thou with us thy servants there is no straw given unto thy servants and they say to us make brick and behold thy servants are beaten but the fault is in thine own people uh, so pretty much the people of, of Israel are coming and complaining about this. And I, I wonder, what part of this do the Israelites not understand? They, they go complain to the Pharaoh as if they expect him to say like, Oh, what? Oh, okay, no, I didn't realize that you wouldn't be able to make the same amount of bricks each day without any supplies. Oh, okay, no, I just, uh, you know, I was trying to push you guys a little harder, but I, I'm sorry about that, it's just a little misunderstanding. Like, really, what did they expect him to, to say? They, don't they realize that this is just him being cruel on purpose? Like, they can go plead with him? It's like, <laughs> it, it's funny. I don't know. It seems kind of naive to me. 
But he said, Ye are idle, ye are idle. Therefore ye say, Let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord. Go therefore now and work, for there shall no no straw be given you, yet shall deliver yet shall ye deliver the tale of bricks. So no, we're not giving you anything, but you still need to make the same amount of bricks. And the officers of the children uh, children of Israel did see that they were in evil case after it was said, Ye shall not minish aught from your bricks of your daily task. And they met Moses and Aaron, who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because you have made our Savior to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh, and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. And uh, they said, so pretty much the people are confronting Moses and Aaron as they come out and saying, like, what did, what did you do to make the Pharaoh be so mean to us? Uh, you know, be uh, the Lord look upon you and judge. And uh, to this they must have been saying, uh, well, considering it was the Lord who told us to do all this, uh, I, I think we'll be fine. I don't think, you know, unless it was just a really bad idea of the Lord's and he's looking to go back on it and be like, hey, what? what? You know, he's like denying it the next day. Hey, what did you guys do? I didn't tell you to do, you know, unless he does that, they, they should be fine. And Moses returned unto the Lord, and you know, wherever the Lord is, returned and, and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all, not even the slightest bit. That's the end of that chapter. That was just a quick one. It, it really, it gets going. It gets going. So on to chapter 6. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, unto Jacob, by the name of God Almighty, but by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. And this part, that little part reminds me of when you're talking to uh, like a really old person and they tell you details about their life or their day or something or just like something that no one could possibly care about. God's like, God's like back when I appeared unto Isaac and to, unto Jacob, it was by the name of God Almighty. But now I'm appearing to you and I'm using the name Jehovah. Moses is like, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. You know, try, <laughs> patronizing him, trying to, <laughs> like, who cares what name, like, you, uh, you, it's okay with me, you can use whatever name you want, God, I don't really, I don't really, no, it shall be Jehovah, the, oh, okay, no, no, it's fine, i just saying I don't really have a preference, that's all, I, uh, okay, yeah, so Jehovah, gotcha, go on, <laughs> and I have also established my covenant with them, to give them the land of Canaan the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. took me a minute, but I finally remembered it. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people." And I will be to you a God, 
and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. You know, I could talk about this at any time, but uh, this seems like a good time here to bring up an obvious point, which is, uh, what about all the rest of the people in the world at this time? God is specifically choosing this tiny little people, uh, you know, in the tiny corner of a desert above everybody else. I mean, as, okay, as far as, you know, Israelites versus Egyptians, whatever. I guess I can buy, like, you know, he didn't like the Egyptians, but he liked the Israelites, so, okay, he chose them. But, like, what what about all of Asia right now? What about all of the rest of the millions of people in the world uh, who I guess don't get to know the real God, you know, if, if you're, if you're taking the point of view that this is all true, then you have to think like God just decided they're not included for a while. You know, why, why isn't that God, I have such a good idea. Why didn't God just go back and visit them too, all over independently, you know, all over the world and give them the same book? You know, like what an awesome proof that would have been if, uh, God, if we had evidence that, that at the same time, people throughout uh, all of the world, you know, remote places of the world, all of a sudden were divinely inspired to write the same exact words, you know, then we would have been like, oh, okay, no, I can get into this. I think this might be true, you know? Again, just just little things could have easily been done better uh, if you were an actual god. And And let me remind everybody that these people who lived their lives, again, if you're taking the point of view that this is all true, these people who lived their lives back then over, you know, Asia and, and other countries in Africa, every everywhere basically that we're not talking about, um, they all, I guess they're screwed. You know, you only get one life. Uh, so they just, uh, bad luck, I guess. They didn't get to know the true God. They didn't get to do all that stuff and know him and be part of, you know, like that just, I guess they're screwed. Just like all the lives of the people who have been killed so far, you know, you only get one. It's not, I mean, it's sort of, it's not even really funny or anything. It's, it's, it's just, I can't ever feel like, uh, I'm special somehow. That, I think that was part of giving up religion really easily, like, you know, when you're young, I can understand why you might think you're special. You're, you're the only person you know, and you, you, you sort of understand yourself better than anybody else, and you think, oh, okay, I, I've got all these qualities that nobody else has. But once you grow up, and you realize there's billions of people in the world, and 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 you're just one of them, I, I just never could see that somehow I'm more important and have been chosen to do something by God over these other people who just they're shit out of luck because they didn't they didn't weren't born in the right place you know it, especially and you can take it back through the span of time how many people how many people's lives were just they just died without knowing the so-called real God or without having you know like I know it's depressing and it is and in some ways I wish there was some cosmic god way to make up for all the injustice that's ever happened but just because i wish that to be true doesn't mean it is true and and if you if you do believe that this book is true then you have to believe that god just ignored those people for thousands of years just ignored everybody who died uh because of poor medicine and because in childbirth and all in the you know just ignore all that they were worthless people they were just bad um, bad luck you know to them i just i can never believe that all right, sorry for that big rant.
I really could bring that up at any time with all this little select chosen people stuff. Uh, it's just BS. Okay, okay. All right, so God's... Oh, I'm sorry if you haven't kept up. I, uh, it is really hard to understand this language. I listen to these sometimes, and I can't even understand what I'm talking about. Um, so I'm trying to keep a summary going to keep everyone engaged. Okay, so he's God's just pretty much saying, No, trust me, I have established my covenant with you and with your fathers, and I am Lord, and uh, I'm going to get you out of this place. Get you out of Egypt. That's pretty much all he said. And imagine, I ranted for like five minutes on just that. No. Um, okay, so eight. And I will bring you into the unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it you for an heritage. I am the Lord. <laughs> Again, real quick. Those dorks who are writing this stupid book must have been saying, Ah, still not enough pages. I just... We need more. I don't, it's, no one's going to take this seriously. It's only, it's only like 62 pages. Or what did I say? 100 and whatever. It's only like 100 pages. You know, no one's going to... What can we do? Uh, oh, I got it. I got it. Okay. Let's have the Lord, every time he speaks, at least like once, maybe twice per sentence even, just remind everybody that he's God and he's the Lord and he's their Lord. And just keep saying crap like that just to remind everybody. You know how much text we could add to this thing if we just say, I am Lord, I am your Lord and your God, and remember, I'm your God, you know? Yeah, all right, all right, let's do that, okay. Yeah, we could get like 100 pages of that. So that's, again, I'm not going to remember all the things now, but we got rid of that, we got rid of the recounting of all the sons, and the traveling, oh, oh, and the repeating, you know, when they, whenever they recap the whole story for like a whole page. And finally, the traveling altar, get that invention in here, done. Bible is 2.8 pages after that. <laughs> okay. And Moses spake un so unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Go in! Speak unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that he let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spake before the Lord, saying, Behold, the children of Israel have not hearkened unto me. How then shall Pharaoh hear me, who am of uncircumcised lips? And what a brilliant bit of logic this is. Yeah, why wouldn't the Pharaoh listen to me? There's no way he's going to listen to someone who hasn't cut the little tip off his penis. I mean, come on, God. Who would, would you listen to someone who hadn't done that? Come on. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, great logic there. Uh, and the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron and gave them a charge unto the children of Israel and unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Guess what time it is, everyone? If you guessed another recap of everyone's sons, then you are right. These be the heads of their fathers' houses, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanach and Pelu and Hezron and Carmi. These be the families of Reuben. And the sons of Simeon, Jemuel and Jamin and Ohad and Jachin and Zohar and Shal, the son of the Canaanitish woman. <laughs> Still don't know what that means, but whatever it is, it sounds funny. These are, like, they couldn't quite place what race she was, but she was Canaanitish, you know, something like that. These are the families of Simeon, 
And these are the names of the sons of the Levi, according to the generations Gergina, Gershon, and Kohath, and Merari, and the years of the life of Levi were 130 and 7 years. And the sons of Gina, Gershon, Libni, Shimi, according to their families, and the sons of Kohath, Amram, and Izhar, and Hebron, and Uziel, and the years of the life comes. Oh man, I'm probably killing you right now with all this. Uh, sons of Merari, Mahali, and Mushi, and the families of Levi. Look, I didn't write it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've hard-headedly, I kind of want to get through every word of this stupid book, you know. Uh, even if we have to sort of fast-forward through this garbage about everybody's, you know, sons and all that. And Amram took Jochebed, his father's sister, to wife, and she bare him his father's sister. His father's sister. So that's his aunt. Ugh. Take your aunt to wife. That's disgusting. Ants are never good-looking anyway. It's just how it goes. If you're the sister of someone who has kids, you're automatically bad-looking. <laughs> okay, I don't know about that part, but it's still gross. And the years of the life of Amran were an hundred and thirty and seven years. And the sons of Izhar, Koran, Nepheg, and Zirri. Now remember all these names. These are very important names. And the sons of Uziel, and Mishael, and Elazaphan, and... Uh, Zithri, and Aaron took him Elisheba, daughter of Amminadab, sister of Neshon, to wife. And she bare him Nadab and Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. And the sons of Korah, Asir, and Elkanah, and Abiasath. These are the families of the Korhites. And Eliezer, almost done. And Eliezer, Erzer, Aaron's son, took him one of the daughters of Putiel to wife. Yeah. I remember that. And she bare him fin finihas. I I know I can't pronounce any of this garbage, it doesn't matter. These are the he- you know, I read something too that all these names were like terribly translated. They were just basically transliterations, which means they took the Hebrew name and took what name it sounded like in English. Like, you know, Michael might be Michael, you know, something like that, which seems kind of like a good idea, except that the Hebrew names were supposed to be significant. Like, they're supposed to be close to words of Hebrew that mean things. Like, you know, there might be the English version of it. I don't think it works that well in English, but the English version might be, you know, like a tree man. And, uh, you know, because he's like a tree. And then they'd translate it into something in Hebrew that sounded like tree man, but had nothing to do with trees in their language. I know that's a horribly stupid example, but that's what it was. So all these names are just garbage, pretty much, is what I read. And I believe it. Uh, these are the heads of the fathers. If I picked up in any, if I picked back up anywhere, you wouldn't even notice, be honest. These are, although I think it's getting back to the narrative here. These are that Aaron and Moses, to whom the Lord said, Bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt according to their armies. These are they which spake to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. These are that Moses and Aaron. Hmm. And it came to pass on the day when the Lord spake unto Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I am the Lord. Again, yeah. How many... Oh, how many times? Does, does, is there a problem with, like, counterfeit, you know, people come up to Moses and say, Hey, uh, hey I'm, I'm the Lord. Uh, and then the Lord has to be like, No, that guy's not the Lord. I'm the Lord. I mean, I think 
pretty much when Moses is talking to the Lord, he probably knows that I am the Lord bit is, is probably implied by now. Maybe you have to say it on the first, you know, maybe the second time in case somebody's really thick and they're just like, what? Oh, no, yeah, I kind of remember you. You're the, uh, the, the lard, uh, what was it? You're the lamb, leotard. It's like, I am the Lord. Oh, no, I got it. Okay, okay, I got it. You know, like maybe twice you have to say that, but every freaking time. Speak thou unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say unto thee. And Moses said before the Lord, behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. And how shall Pharaoh hearken unto me? A good point. How could the Pharaoh listen to uncircumcised lips? I want to know, is there a penis inspection before <laughs> before going into the house of the Pharaoh? You know, like, is he like, hold on. And, you know, the guards have this like, you know, this little like window down by the penis area that they're like, all right, drop your drawers. And, you know, like, must inspect if you are circumcised before the Pharaoh will listen to you. That's just how it goes. I don't make the rules, all right? In fact, I really wish this weren't the rule because, man, ew, disgusting. You know, like, how does, how does, how does the Pharaoh know? I just wonder. Did they have a relationship? Did Moses, you know, did they have a little liaison and Moses uh, then let slip that he's not circumcised and so the Pharaoh knows? Really, I, I really want to know this now. I'm, I'm curious. How is it that the Pharaoh somehow would know that Moses is uncircumcised? Is it? I, I really can't think of a, of a logical reason for this. It, there's nothing that would make any sense, other than there's some like penis inspection when you get come into the halls of the pharaoh. All right, all right. Now on to the next chapter, chapter seven. And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Thou shalt speak all that I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh that he send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt, and bring forth mine armies, and my people the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. So wait a minute. God is going to purposefully make the Pharaoh not listen to them? Oh, that seems ridiculous. Let's uh, let's just keep an eye on how this all plays out. But that's what happened. Uh, God, uh, you know, God is telling Moses what to do, and he's saying, I'm going to make the Pharaoh... Here's what to tell the Pharaoh. Here's what you tell him. But I'm going to make him not listen to you on purpose. That's what he just said. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord... When I stretch forth mine hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. You know, quick thought, quick thought. This is an omniscient, omnipotent, all-powerful God. Uh, he could just appear to each and every one of these people all at the same time. Within ten, you know, not even ten minutes, two minutes. Two minutes of God's infinite time that he doesn't even care about because he's God. And he could just have all the people. And it would be fine, you know, and everybody, you know, that's, it wouldn't get boring. People would still have challenges and, and, and all that, but at least they'd know about God rather than what's about to happen, which God says is to prove that he's God. So, uh, yeah. so try that little, keep that little idea in the back of your mind as we read what, what goes on here. 
And Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them. So did they. And Moses was fourscore years old, and Aaron fourscore and three years old, when they spake unto Pharaoh. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Shew a miracle for you, then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod, and cast it before Pharaoh, (laughs) and it shall become a serpent. (laughs) Man, poor Aaron. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh had the same reaction. He went, oh, wait, maybe this is how they know who's circumcised and who's not, except that it's Aaron, not Moses. But, you know, maybe there's a rule. Everybody, okay, everybody cast down your rod before the Pharaoh. You know, like, the, nah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to find some way that Pharaoh would know that Moses is uncircumcised. That's it. That's all I'm trying to do. I know. I mean, it sounds a little weird, but that's all I'm trying to do. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh, and before his servants, and it became a serpent. The Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, now the magicians of Egypt. They also did in like manner with their enchantments. Interesting. Hmm. So, pretty much, uh, Moses and Aaron have went to the Pharaoh, and they performed this first little miracle, which is to cast down their rod, and it turns into a snake. But... If you notice, it just said that the Pharaoh's magicians were able to do the same thing. That's that's interesting. Let's uh, let's keep an eye on how this develops. Also, I sort of want to keep a little count of these miracles slash plagues. Oh, spoiler. Uh, that, <laughs> that are going to happen. Also, Jesus dies at the end. Damn it! Oh, man, I spoiled everything. Uh, so this is number one. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. (laughs) Oh, that's the magicians, by the way, are doing that. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. That is so gay. Man, I wonder what happened there. And he, you know, not that there's anything wrong with it, but I'm just saying, you know, it's just, that was a little gay. That's all. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. The sodomites were peeking in. Hey, what's going on in there? No, they're all dead. Never mind. And he hardened Pharaoh's heart and his rod. (laughs) No. He hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. Hmm. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuseth to let the people go. <sighs> what if What if the Lord said that to you? What if the Lord told you, I'm going to make the Pharaoh not listen to you. Here's what you tell him. And then you tell him that. And the Lord says, oh, I've hardened his heart. He's Oh, man, he's not listening to you. Like, I mean, I don't have a specific bone to pick with this but like how weird is that just like an odd you'd hear that from him and you'd be like uh yeah that's a weird thing to say he's not really doing anything god you're doing it you're the one uh, okay and you said you did i mean i believed you when you said you were going to do that but why do you say he refuseth to i don't know it's just weird another one of these examples of crap that doesn't quite make sense it all doesn't quite make sense and some of it really doesn't make sense Get thee unto Pharaoh in the morning. Lo, he goeth out unto the water, and thou shalt stand by the river's brink, against he come. And the rod which was turned to a serpent shalt thou take in thine hand. And thou shalt say say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath sent me unto thee, saying, Let my people go, and they may serve me in the wilderness. Uh, that they may serve me in the wilderness. And behold, hitherto thou wouldest not hear. Thus saith the Lord, In this 
Thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will smite with the rod that is in mine hand upon the waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that is in the river shall die, and the river shall stink, and the Egyptians shall loathe to drink of the water of the river, except the vampires. They will be in frickin' Egyptian vampire heaven right now. Best thing that ever happened to them. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and stretch out thine hand upon the waters of Egypt, upon their streams, upon their rivers, upon their ponds, upon all the pools of the water, that they may become blood, and that there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so, as the Lord commanded. And he lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh, and in the sight of his servants, and all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. And the fish that was in the river died. And the river... <laughs> the fish that was... I just noticed that the fish that was in the river. Maybe there's only one fish. Like, like, the, like the Egyptian town goldfish. Oh, the fish that was in the river died. Damn it! Asshole! Ah, oh, you killed our freaking goldfish. Oh, well. Just get another one at the fair. Uh, and the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river, and there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. Okay, so here's number two. Uh, not, you know, not number two, but, uh, miracle number two, or rather plague number two, slash one, slash miracle one, two, whatever. And, uh, let's also try to keep some sort of crude casualty count. Maybe not an exact count, but just a notion. It'll come in handy later, sort of. Uh, so this is an entire river's worth of innocent, innocent fish dead. Uh, innocent fish dead. They're all dead, so that's there's some casualties. And anyone who depends on that river for food is probably going to be going, going to be having a rough time right now. And uh, so that's Miracle 2 and some casualties. And the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Neither did he hearken unto them as the Lord had said. Really? So the magicians were able to do this too? Huh. They were able to turn the river into blood. That that seems a little difficult. Um, you know, maybe they <laughs> maybe they just sort of took credit for like parts of the river that Moses had already done. They're like, uh, Abra, Abra. hey, I see that part. I did that. See that sort of, you know, that, that little part from that tree to that, you know, to the other, to that dead fish. I did that part. That was me. And they're like, oh, okay, good enough for me. Miracles were easy back then, by the way. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house. Neither did he set his heart to this also. And all the pharaohs, uh, all the pharaohs, all the Egyptians digged round about the river for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the river. And seven days were fulfilled after that the Lord had smitten the river. So the all of Egypt is dying of thirst at this point. Well, okay, not right away, but there's going to be pretty soon. Um, and Pharaoh just goes back into his house. Says like, eh, not really convinced. Gotta say, uh, my magicians were able to do it. You know, not a big deal. Meanwhile, everyone's like, uh, uh, what are we going to drink, Pharaoh? No, I don't know. Whatever. I'm just not very into this god. I don't, he's okay. No, I don't think he exists said Pharaoh. He's like, he's like, the Pharaoh's like bored at this point. He just goes into his house. 
So uh, you've killed countless people. Am I supposed to be scared? Yeah. Chapter 8. Final chapter. Alright, this one's a little long and it gets worse. It gets worse. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. No, not frogs. Oh, no, frog. Oh, God, frog. It's probably not what people expected. <laughs> smite all our borders with, oh, God, what? Oh, man, an army? It's a, what, a dragon? It's something? Frogs. Ah, frogs. Huh. Well, I guess that would be pretty annoying. But a little underwhelmed, gotta say. They probably thought. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thine house, and into thy bedchamber, and upon thy bed, and into the house of thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thine ovens. Well, that wouldn't be good for them. And into thy kneading troughs. Kneading troughs. Never heard of that word. And the frogs shall come up both on thee, and upon thy people, and upon all thy servants. And you will say, Damn it, get these annoying frogs the hell out of here. Man, these things are annoying, you shall say. You, they're all slimy. Further, you shall also say. And, uh, yeah, that's that's what God was saying that whole time. That's, that's the reaction they're going to have. They're going to be like, Oh, ew, these frogs are annoying. They were fun at first, but then they got, like, Oh, they're slimy. And then they stink. Moses, get these stupid frogs out of here. That's probably what they said. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. So here's three. Here's uh, plague number three. And I don't know what kind of negative effects this had, really. Um, frog things. I don't know what that does. If there's disease associated with that or, or if they eat something, but whatever. Well, definitely count some major frog casualties, though. Uh, I think it's impossible to not be following along with this but because uh, this part's pretty pretty easy, but basically they're doing the third miracle and it's to bring out all these frogs. That's all that's happened. I think I've said as much. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. And the magicians could do this too. Wow. Those are some damn good magicians. If magicians like that were around, then... And, and they're clearly not really doing miracles, right? Because they're not part of the God thing. They're sort of against God. So if they could do miracles so easily, then perhaps other miracles that we may come across could also have been tricks, maybe? And uh, so the magicians, so the magicians did that. They brought up frogs too. They're like, hey, look, I got some frogs. And the, the, the Pharaoh at this point is probably like, uh, uh, guys, 
I, are you trying to help them at this point or what? What is, what are you doing? We have enough freaking frogs. Can you do some, can you magic some frogs back into the pond maybe? Or, uh, if the, that magic doesn't work for you guys, just, uh, I don't know, get a net and like net some of them and put them back. Like, I, normally I'm impressed with you guys. You're good magicians, but, uh, th- th- I just, I'm sick of these freaking frogs. I don't need any more. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, I entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me. These frogs are all over me. They're frogs. And from my people. And I will let the people go that they may sacrifice unto the Lord. Ah, all right. So after the Pharaoh, after after having his land and people abused, is finally going to just give in to reason and just let him go after three curses. And, you know, he's like, ah, all right, I give. Great. That's done. He gives. It's over. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. When shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee in thy houses that they remain in the river only? And he said, Tomorrow. And he said, Be it according to thy word that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. There is no God like our Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from thee and from thy houses, and from thy servants, and from thy people, and they shall remain in the river only. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, and out of the villages, and out of the fields. And they gathered them upon the heaps, and the land stank. Unnecessary detail. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. What? Why would he do that? Uh, So I guess God must be hardening the Pharaoh's heart in order to abuse Egypt even more than he's already done. All right. So I thought it was over, but no, it's not over. False alarm. And the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod, and smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so, for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod, and smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice in man and in beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. So there's number four. Uh, I think lice throughout the entire land could definitely cause some problems. They, uh, I think they probably spread disease, especially back then when they didn't, you know, weren't as medically knowledgeable. So that's at least a pain in the butt, that one. Ah. Okay, and the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. They could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beast. Huh. So for some reason, the magicians couldn't quite get this one to work. They the, So they can, let's recap, they can turn their staves into snakes, they can turn rivers into blood, they can summon a crap load of frogs out of a river, but they can't make lice come out of the ground. Wouldn't this one have probably been the easiest one to do, or to fake, you know? Like, just do some, like, you know, some magic words, I don't know what they sound like back then, but... And then just you start itching, you know, and you maybe get your friend to start itching. Be like, ah, ooh, ah, oh, see, got, ah, ah, lice, ah, everywhere, ah, all over my head. And you're like, they're not going to know. They'd be like, oh, man, you did it. <sighs> then the magician said unto Pharaoh, 
This is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. Huh. This is bizarre. Now, even when his magicians can't keep up, the Pharaoh still won't believe them. So either the Lord is keeping him from believing him, which I guess is what he's doing, which, but that, I mean, that seems kind of cruel and pointless to me, um, especially when people are suffering from all these plagues. I mean, Egypt is not one bad guy. You can't think of all of Egypt, which is a couple, uh, like, I think it was like 5 million at least. Maybe it might have been more um, based on the little research I did. Um, they're, they're not one evil people. Like, there are plenty of innocent people who are now suffering from this. And so the Pharaoh is either the Lord's making him continue the suffering, which I think is evil, or the Pharaoh is an unrealistic character and this is all made up. Well, or both, I guess, because it is all made up. We know that part already. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the water. And say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let thy people go, that they may serve me. Else, if thou wilt not let my people go, let some of them go. Now, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee, and upon thy servants, and upon the people. And into thy houses, and the houses of the Egyptians shall be all full of swarms of flies, and also to the ground whereon they are. And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. Uh, to the end thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. And I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. And why didn't the Pharaoh listen to him this time? He, it doesn't even say. It doesn't even say like what the Pharaoh's thinking was or anything. Moses, let, let's, let's, uh, need I remind Pharaoh, Moses is four for four. He's, he's batting 1,000 right now. He's a, he's got a perfect track record of pain in the ass curses. Shouldn't the Pharaoh sorta of maybe believe him by now? Also, what is the Pharaoh even gaining here? Like what is, does he think if he holds out, like, Moses will just get tired or bored of doing miracles and be like, ah, all right, we'll stay. God, I'm just, oh, I'm bored of these miracles. You know, like, what is the Pharaoh trying to do? What is his game plan? It's such an unrealistic character. It doesn't, it's stupid. So clearly stupid. And the Lord did so, and there came a grievous swarm of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses in all the land of Egypt, the land was corrupted by reason of the swarm of flies. So there's five, five plagues, lots of casualties in this one, I would think, since the land is completely destroyed. They ate everything. Um, now the land and the river are destroyed. So what, what are people eating at this point? Anything? No, they're probably all going to die. And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. Oh, thank God. The Pharaoh is finally giving in. Oh, man. Or, well, rather, God is finally going to let the Pharaoh give in. Oh, finally. Okay, so that's all over with. And Moses said, is, It is not meet so to do, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to our, the Lord our God. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes? And will they not stone us? We will. So he's saying... <clears throat> 
No, we can't just sacrifice here. We've got to leave. Otherwise, your people will stone us when we sacrifice. So he says, We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he shall command us. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go that ye may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only ye shall not go very far away. Entreat for me. And Moses said, Behold, I go out from thee, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Tomorrow, but let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully any more in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And he removed the swarms of flies from the Pharaoh and from his servants and from his people. And there remained not one. And it was all over with. And it was all soon a memory. And the Pharaoh forgot about it. And they left. Everyone was happy. Oh, wait. And Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go. Oh, come on. Are you kidding me? So the two options here are, God is not letting Pharaoh let them go. In which case, the Pharaoh just must be pleading with himself. He's like, oh, please, please, God, let me let them go. Damn it, I don't even want them here anymore. Let them go. Please let me let them go. I hate them. So it's either that or the Pharaoh is just unreasonably stupid. Stupid beyond the point of being able to be a person. Moses is five for five on deathly harmful plagues. What does the what does the Pharaoh think this time? Like, all right, now I've got him. <laughs> now, like, does the Pharaoh think he's getting somewhere in this little exchange? He's doing exactly nothing. Not he's not doing anything. This makes no sense. All right, that's the end of today's reading. Let's hope God lets him let them go soon, because this is getting ridiculous. I'll uh, see you guys tomorrow. Uh, again, thank you to. Uh, Alex in uh, Texas for that great comment made my day, gotta say. Uh, anyone else who wants to send great comments or bad ones, or if anyone listening wants to put a review in iTunes, uh, you know, good or bad, although if, if it's a bad review, I don't think you'd be listening this long. So it's probably a good one. Uh, I appreciate that, you know, get a little, uh, when people see it in iTunes and they can see that someone's enjoyed it. So uh, if you do that for me, that'd be great. I really appreciate it. And uh, as always, you can always email me at comments at thomasandthebible.com or go to thomasandthebible.com. It's kind of crappy right now, but uh, you can go and comment. It just looks like any other blog. Um, yeah. All right. So thanks a lot, guys, and I'll see you tomorrow.